Welcome back, everybody. I get a chance to talk to my buddy, who I usually talk to on Facebook Messenger all the time, or I see him in workshops that we take together. We've never had a chance to work together in the scene, so I'm hoping to change very soon. A member of our Chicago acting community and a really good guy, Randy Bernalis. Welcome, Randy. Thanks for having me, Alan. It's it's my pleasure, dude. I can't believe we haven't worked together yet. I, I know we've been kind of intersecting in all of these different areas of our community, but we haven't been on set together yet. I know, dude. We'll make it happen, though. <laughs> yes, we will. So, by the way, you know, uh, I know uh, some of the people, some of the producers that we work together with are, are listening and watching this. So, guys, you know, let's let's make it happen. Randy and I need to be in a scene together. So uh, <laughs> let's let's go for that. Now, uh, Randy, I don't know if you remember, but to me, it's it's kind of a funny way that we, you know, met, if you will, uh, electronically. Do you remember that particular? Or uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna embarrass you in a second, but do you remember what happened? Uh, please embarrass me. I love I love getting embarrassed. <laughs> Excellent. So what happened is that Randy and I kind of were connected on uh, on Facebook as you know uh, uh, different guys within the Chicago community and girls are connected, and then I saw. Uh, one of the things that Randy put out, which was a lifestyle shot where he's doing a fitness commercial and he is kind of, uh, you know, doing an arm movement with a dumbbell. And I'm looking at the size of those guns and I'm thinking, holy shit, uh, I need to get in touch with Randy and I need to find out how large the guns really are. So I reach out to Randy on Messenger and I'm like, dude, okay, I'm not weird, but, you know, how large are your guns? I want to know because I grew up you know, reading bodybuilding magazines. And, uh, you know, I was a scrawny kid with tiny shoulders. You know, I was kind of the, I was the pear shape. Uh, and I started working out and I got myself, uh, you know, into a decent shape that I've uh, tried to maintain on and off, uh, certainly off lately, uh, with the exception of a few months. Uh, and then I saw that. So like, there, they have to be at least kind of the 18, 19 inch, uh, you know, guns, I need to find out. I need the answer. So I ping Randy and Randy's like, dude, I don't know. I'm not measuring my arms. You know, the, the people who actually do this stuff, they don't care. It's only the us who want uh, the guns like that actually do care. So that was the way that we started talking first. I don't know if you remember that. I do actually now, now that you bring that up. Yeah. Yeah, that was and, really funny. <laughs> Yeah, I and the fact that we're still talking just shows that you're a good guy instead of thinking that I'm just some kind of a weirdo, which of course oh. I am. But <laughs> so we're all weirdos, though. I mean, it's great to embrace, you know, your yeah. uh, your uniqueness and stuff. It's awesome, man. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm trying to. Yeah, my poor wife uh, keeps dealing with my uniqueness for the last uh, you know 20 years counting. So uh, God bless her. And uh, yeah, the, the many patient pills that she's taking on the daily basis with me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, given that we kind of uh, went into the, uh, the, the arm size, I'm not going to ask you how large they are because I'm sure you haven't measured them since our first discussion. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you did. But how did the, so for you, did acting start out first or did modeling start out first? Which was the uh, kind of, uh, you know, the chicken or the egg, if you will? Uh, definitely acting first. Um, okay. Kind of started out in uh, community theater. Um, my first musical was South Pacific, and I had like fifty thousand roles in it. I was like in every scene, basically either background or singing, and um, that kind of, you know, got me into it. And then after that, I just kept auditioning for show after show, and then um, got into college and did more theater there. Um, the modeling side kind of happened when I signed with an agency, and I didn't know that when you sign with an acting agency, they kind of sign you across the board. So, what? you know, you do everything from theater, uh, film, TV, commercial, and then the modeling side, which I was like, I thought modeling was like fashion modeling, you know, like walking down a runway and stuff. And I'm like, I'm definitely not that tall or that good looking to be on a runway. So I was like uh modeling okay and then um they're like yeah you know like target ads or you know catalog ads things like that and i was like oh oh yeah i guess those are kind of just normal looking people you know and um kind of went to that and then that segued into the whole like you know hand modeling thing too which was another thing <laughs> you know i was like oh yeah there are ads where they're like you know showing a product like an iphone or something like that so 
and the money's actually really good for not really doing a whole lot of work. So it's definitely a win-win. <laughs> yeah, and again, you're, you're talking head modeling, so I immediately go to George and Seinfeld. Um, did, did you ever have to say, okay, well, I mean, obviously this is what I'm doing right now, but on the other hand, you work out a lot. So was there were any discussions of saying, hey, dude, be careful, you can't work out too hard, or you can't do this because it's gonna influence you know, how your hands look? Yeah, it um, it kind of was kind of a thing because I'm like, I do quite a bit of fitness modeling and then also hand modeling, but I'm just really careful. I don't really wear gloves or anything like that. Um, and then I don't get a whole lot of like calluses at the gym either because I kind of am careful about what equipment I use. Mm -hmm. um, back in the day when I was, you know, borderline powerlifting, I would actually put like chalk on my hands and get, you know, yeah. that kind of. But that was before um, the whole hand modeling thing. After that, I kind of tailored my workouts to be like more careful of that. So, yeah. But no insurance? You haven't bought any insurance uh, for your house? <laughs> not yet. Someday, probably, but not yet. Listen, we, we can joke about it, but uh, this is something that, you know, that pays. That's a part of uh, your profession. So it may be worth the thing. I don't know. It's very uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. And you don't wear gloves. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, hopefully whoever is listening is not going to, you know, start hounding you about that uh, after watching this. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I, um, someone shared a video. I think I posted a hand modeling ad um, for, I think it was some audio equipment or something. And then someone shared a video of this woman. I guess she's like one of the highest paid hand models in the world. Okay. And, and they showed me the video with her and she's like, telling everyone about how careful she is with her hands and how, you know, her hands haven't seen sunlight in like a decade or something like that. And she wears gloves everywhere and moisturizing things. And I'm just like, oh, okay. So that's the next level of it. I'm like, I don't know if I'll go that far, but you know, the information is, is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's all sorts of things that we don't uh, really think about, right? Because you know, we're thinking acting is acting, but acting is a lot more than acting. There are a lot of, you know, facets to our industry and you've done commercials uh, that were not just, you know, uh, kind of uh, print spots, but you've done commercials and you've done, have you done any voiceover work uh, or uh, is that mixed on your uh, stuff? Um, I did a bit of VO for an industrial a while back. Um, it's kind of my next step actually, especially with, um, you know, the pandemic and everything, a lot of stuff is going voiceover. Um, Sherry Shaw, um, our acting mm -hmm. coach, she, she's like a big um, advocator for like actors going into voiceover and getting, you know, equipment and stuff like that. So that's most likely going to be my next step. I have a lot of colleagues that do voiceover full time and, you know, they're definitely willing to share tips on how to like set up and what equipment to buy and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that's definitely my next um, venture. <laughs> yeah, you need a demo. You need to kind of uh, get some uh, get some training. I uh, and I know you're the guy that's in all classes. You know, anytime I see anything offered, usually Randy's there as well. But um, you know, for me, I'm in uh, I'm in Vernon Hills, which uh, again, for anybody who's not from Chicagoland, doesn't care. But Vernon Hills is about an hour from downtown. That's without traffic. So uh, you know, all of the voiceover classes are usually in Chicago, kind of Rogers Park and going down to Chicago, uh, which means that normally during the day I can because I work. During the evening I can, but then you're stuck in traffic and it's basically the whole night and you're screwed. Yeah. So I've, I've been trying to uh, to get myself up to, uh, to take voiceover classes, but the schedule never worked out for me. So I'm hoping you can find something that's uh, that's better for you. Yeah, I'll, I'm definitely looking into it. Um, I know, like, Acting Studio Chicago and Green Room, yeah. I'm pretty sure they have good offerings. And then Vagabond, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. Chicago's great. I mean, the resources for classes here are are really nice because you get a good foundation and then you keep building on it um, with the more advanced classes. And that goes, I guess, for, you know, on camera as well as scene study theater and then I'll start at, you know, voiceover level one and work up from there, but they definitely give you a good starting point. Yeah. And again, you, you've been kind of to, uh, I don't know, probably not to all of the acting schools that are around Chicago because there are so many, but 
Uh, I know you've uh, you've been at Vagabond. I know you've been at what used to be Blue Door Collective. Now it's the Forge uh, Chicago. Now, uh, where else have you been? Um, Acting Studio Chicago, yeah. um, and then Green Room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are like the main ones. Um, there are a few others that people have either referred me to or recommended, but I just haven't had time to like audit the class or look at them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are the main ones. And the great thing about it is you're getting instruction from working professionals, you know, like at Vagabond, your teacher is doing an episode of Chicago Fire like the next day and she's teaching class. So you feel like you're getting that personalized experience um, that's related to the market you're in. So if you're wanting to audition for any of the Chicago shows and you have a teacher that's already on the show, um, he or she is going to know exactly the process and is going to like point you in the right direction. So. Yeah, I, I love Vegabon. That's uh, <clears throat> that's been a really good experience for me. Um, I haven't done uh, Green Room. I haven't done uh, again the Acting Studio Chicago just because uh, they have a ton of classes, but they're you know they're in the loop. They're they're they are. Know, it's it's going to take me a while to get there and back, and uh, you know juggling the schedule didn't work out. But I know they're good. Uh, one of the places that I've been to that kind of really opened my eyes was. And now their name escapes me. It's the uh, uh, okay. It'll come back to me. I'll, I'll I'll reference it back. But the one one school I was going to recommend to you uh, that I'll come back in a minute and we'll okay. them below this video so uh, they don't get upset about it. Um, so you've done kind of a lot of this uh, a lot of this work, and then you certainly have done on screen. Now, what would you say is your favorite and is there a favorite that if you had a chance to do more of one you'd stick with that as opposed to doing everything else um you mean as far as like theater commercial yeah theater commercials uh you know modeling on screen uh kind of you know what's what's the thing that you want to focus on uh definitely tv and film for sure um especially tv um one of the things a lot of actors have to do is they have to get like, you know, like a co-star credit or a couple co-star credits. It's kind of like a ladder system. You know, you start at the co-star level and then guest star, recur, and then hopefully series regular um, someday. Right. And understanding the training that goes into each category is is critical because one of the biggest mistakes I made was, especially for co-stars, is I I went in and I just made it too much of a thing, you know, and a lot of the casting directors are looking for someone that more or less fits an occupation. Um, one of our, um, one of the guys on your um, YouTube show, actually, Michael Kostroff, um, took a class with him and he specializes in the co-star under fives. And his point of view and and um, tips and tricks on how to go in the room and just, he's like, don't, act or audition for anything like just go in be the occupation tell the person what you need to tell them and that's it and i was like that's it really you know and as soon as i did that i started getting like more callbacks more check avails and i was like okay this is working you know um and yeah as far as like the training goes for each one i i kind of liken it to a two-way street you know there's like there's the fast lane and the slow lane and for me the slow lane is like building your craft and your foundation and just being a well-rounded strong actor like that's I think all of our our objectives are to do that um to be versatile and to have deep um, dedicated work and then the other lane is you know the co-star lane which is (laughs) just going in Saying the line and getting out, like it, it's really that simple. <laughs> it's it's interesting to me, uh, you know, when you go into acting, and I'm not talking you specifically, but just in general, when people go into acting, you know, we think that we have to put on all sorts of hats. We have to discover characters within ourselves, and we have to reference people that we know. And we have to meld it all together, and we have to know the proper technique, and you have to do the camera work, and you have to do all sorts of things. When then you hear a casting director saying, dude, just you're a postman, right? Just be a postman. Uh, You have two lines. It's pointing that way and saying, oh, yeah, he went that way. That's it. (laughs) You you don't need to act. You don't need to show range. Just be that. Uh, Just move the story along and get out of the way. 
And it's so difficult for us because we're spending years honing the craft that we can't get out of our own way. And I, <clears throat> Michael, uh, it, you know, who was my first interview on this channel, uh, kind of blew me away by saying, just, you know, focus on the profession. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Go made, in, tell, tell the casting director you're under arrest. Like, that's all you got to do, you know. Yeah. And they either believe you as that person or they don't. And if they believe you, it's likely that you get a callback. If they don't, then they don't. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I remember I went to Claire Simon and I, I had an audition for, uh, I think it was for a PD and it was, uh, you know, co-star, a, uh, a guy that's, uh, that's uh, dying. You know, he gets shot and he's dying. And I'm, you know, I'm in a zone. I'm doing this beautiful scene and I uh, kind of, uh, almost, you know, when I'm supposed to fall, I fall. I, I fell properly and I braced myself, but I fall to the point where they stop the audition saying, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, of course I'm okay. And I'm thinking, that's it, nailed yep. it, it was perfect. And then never get a call back. So uh -huh. <laughs> like, just just do that. And don't don't worry, don't worry about anything and just don't don't screw around with it. Just go in, do it, go away. And forget about it. And uh, usually you won't hear anything, uh, which is the other thing that Michael says, which is the first thing that he goes uh, that he goes to in his mind when he goes to audition is you're not going to fucking get it. That's mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So why worry about it? Just go, you know, do your thing, get out and don't worry about it. It's so true. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've actually gone into ever since I read his book and then I listened to him on the um, action, the pursuit of acting excellence that podcast that i recommend every actor to listen to like yeah. chicago around the world wherever you are um, lee foster he's he's the guy that's on it and every person that he brings on is just phenomenal in the way that they share um not only auditioning but like on camera technique stuff like that but it's the nitty-gritty the nuts and bolts of what we do and for years i mean you can spend years at an acting conservatory acting school taking classes but until you're up on your feet going in and auditioning it's kind of another muscle you got to work and flex around you know absolutely uh and lee foster was uh, was one of the guys that uh you know another one of our friends candace uh candace rose recommended yeah. lee's uh, podcast because i didn't hear about it so she recommended it as i said i'm gonna start the show she said it's interesting it sounds uh, uh kind of like what lee was doing with his podcast uh, I checked it out. Michael Koster was one of the first, uh, you know, people that I saw there. I listened to, and I reached out to Michael. So if it wasn't for Lee, Michael Koster would likely not be on my show because I'm not sure that I would have had the cojones to, uh, to you know, get in touch with Michael and say, hey, you know, be my first guest. So um, you know, God bless Michael for being the beautiful person that he is and doing it. But Lee Foster was uh, was a guy who kind of got things started for me. So Lee. I thanked you before. I'm going to continue thanking you. <laughs> um, yeah. So with um, you know, with you getting the the co-stars, and when you kind of uh, you know climbing the ladder, so to speak, and you have some recurring things that you have done. You know, what have you found on set that's different between you know you doing the job as a recurring versus you doing the job as a co-star or under five? Um. Well, it's interesting. I. I've gone in for like the co-star um, guest star stuff, but my first kind of experience on set was with um, Conrad. So that's like a TV pilot that um, it's they finished the pilot. They're now pitching it to different um, networks to get get a, a platform for it. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, being on set and watching um, other actors work. Um, they brought in like Harry Lennox from The Blacklist and um, Hisham Tafik from The Blacklist. And then Eric Roberts obviously is a legend. Um, <laughs> and just watching them work and, and just learning from that, I think was my biggest takeaway, you know, cause I was my first time being on a big set like that. And then just seeing them go in and out of scenes just effortlessly and, and understanding like their framing and um, performance level and all that um, yeah that was my biggest takeaway so I kind of started there and now I'm kind of backtracking too I really want to 
bookmark co-star guest star stuff. Um, and yeah, my goal this year was to get like maybe two or three um, network credits, but with the pandemic, we're kind of waiting and seeing how that goes. The beauty of it though is everything now is is mostly self-tape. So, right. you know, if you're looking to audition for anything in like the Southeast or LA, New York, um, a lot of those are, they're still self-tape. So you're getting the same opportunities that most actors in those markets are getting. Yeah. You know. No. It's great. The traveling could be a problem, but uh, thankfully, you know, Illinois so far, you know, <laughs> knock on wood, you know, we're not on the list of uh, of most states where you're going to have to go there and then, uh, you know, uh, be out of pocket for two weeks uh, waiting uh, to make sure. So hopefully, you know, that continues, but, you know, hopefully all this stuff goes away soon and uh, we can uh, get to some level of normalcy if uh, if that. Now, Technically, you know, I uh, being in Chicago, right, we're in the secondary market. So for us to get in the series regulars, a lot of the series regulars are going to New York or L.A. actors. Um, mm -hmm. So for us, it's it's uh, it's a much harder hill to climb. So it's a possibility that I've heard kind of bounced around and that as things open up, maybe Chicago actors are going to start getting a little bit more of those roles because New York and L.A., you know, guys are not going to be able to fly back and forth due to the restrictions. So, you know, who knows if it's a silver lining, uh, but, you know, maybe better opportunities for Chicago guys. That's very true. Yeah, they might create kind of like a bubble system with each yeah. market, what's shooting in those markets. Yeah, that's actually, um, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> so, you know, Claire, uh, PR, guys, if you're listening, uh, we're, we're here. We're here, we're in Chicago. We do not need to quarantine. We're right here and available at a moment's notice. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, um, going back to kind of the audition for a second, I, I you know, last interview that I did uh, was with uh, Goya Robles, who's on, um, uh, who's on Get Shorty on Epix and you know, Netflix. And uh, Goya said that the way that he landed the audition for, um, uh, not landed the audition, but landed the part, is he went into the audition basically when he kind of got to you know he was going through so many auditions and not getting anything he got to the what he calls and i perfectly uh, relate to it is the fuck it stage which is you're just going in and you're just doing your thing and you don't care you don't care you're not worried about okay am i am i doing exactly what they want me to do and you kind of get away from all of the things of what does the casting director want me to do and you just do you you do you, you do what feels right, you make a choice, you go with it, and you know, uh, it worked. And they loved it, and they brought it back for, for, a, um, uh, for a callback. He had nailed that, and then they didn't even have to do screen tests, they just offered him the role. So it was in that moment of you kind of let go. And I think once we get to that moment of letting go, then people start realizing that we're actual human beings and we have things that we can do, and then we start getting calls. So um, I'm, I'm close to getting to that, you know, fuck it moment. And I'm close to getting out of my head and just, you know, being uh, and having fun. Because I remember you, know, you and I were going to, uh, to workshops and you keep hearing this, like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing this? You know, uh, and I'm doing this because that's what feels right for me. And I need to do that because that makes sense to me based on what I'm reading and based on what I think the character is gonna do that. So what I've learned, over you know interviewing what 60 people or so uh, so far on the show uh including you know uh, a number of casting directors and taking all the workshops that you and i were taking with casting directors casting directors are lovely lovely people and they can't agree on pretty much anything uh you know the background that you have right there it's one of the questions that i asked the casting directors now uh, what is your preferred self-tape background some are big advocates of gray others hate gray and they said only blue. If you're not going to do blue, they're not going to look at you. The, you have another group of people who says blue sucks and you better not do blue and you do white. There are so many instances that I've had with casting directors where, you know, we're watching self tapes and I'm looking at the self tape just like they are and I'm saying, okay, well, I definitely see that that's a choice. That's a predetermined moment as opposed to an organic one. And they're like, oh my God, that was so organic and so beautiful. I'm thinking, what the hell are you talking about? Mm -hmm. So, what I have learned is that all of us are just people. 
and who knows what's happening in their minds at whatever point in time and in you know looking at 3000 uh, uh, people uh, trying to um, pick out five to submit you don't know you can't worry about it you do your work you go in there you do what you think is right it may work it may not work but you're going to feel good about yourself doing it and that's it dude that's so true yeah your best work <clears throat> yeah. is going to come when you're just relaxed and open like to your point you know the fuck it stage when you just take a breath and just let it go and just dive right in you know that's that's awesome and that really is where a lot of the best work comes in some of the most memorable moments on any tv um tv show or film you know like the quotes we know like jaws you're gonna need a bigger boat or um you know blade runner when he says all these moments lost in time like tears in the rain it's because those actors were so open to their environment and what was going on that the words just came out you know they weren't thinking i have to say this line it just came out and the director is like holy shit that was awesome you know and they usually keep that and then those are the the quotes that we we use every day you know yeah it's just again you know all of the actors are keep saying the same thing that the best actors that they work with no take is the same all of the takes are different and they're trying different things and some of those things uh even after the take the actor goes like well i think that sucked but i'm glad i tried it so like you have all of these opportunities and they're just they're searching and they're playing and they're flexible and that's that's where i want to get to i want to get to the point where i throw it all away and i'm just being and i'm just playing and you know hopefully you know you're you're there already uh and if not then i hope you get there very soon dude it's it's a constant struggle like some days you're just like nervous and you're sweaty and you're like why am i that way you're you, there's no reason your body just does these things sometimes mm -hmm. um and i come from a musical background like i majored in piano so i'm trying to pull a lot of the um technique and ability from that into my acting work and one of the things i think it was um in an acting book actually one that lee foster recommended i keep bringing his name up but um yeah. Notes to an Actor. Yeah, Notes to an Actor by Ron Morosco. It's hands down probably the best acting book for any actor out there, whether you're experienced or beginning. Um, and the reason why is it's just what it says. It's notes. Like there's no long form technique or, you know, mm -hmm. like years of study. These are things you can just pull out of a hat pretty much. Um, mm -hmm. But one of the things he said was you need to find the freedom within the form. And that stuck with me because freedom within form, well, what's the form? There's different forms, like different tones of a show. You know, you're not gonna read for Chicago PD the same way you would read for like an episode of Friends. They're two different things entirely. So you have to identify what the form is and then stretch the freedom in there to find what your um, creative ability will allow. So for me, it's like if I was playing, you know, uh, Mozart sonata, you know, it's Mozart, it's Sonata, there's a form there, but I would not bring my Chopin style to the Mozart. Like it just wouldn't fit in there. One's romantic, one's classical. So within the Mozart, you have to find the freedom within that form and make the music come alive. So with script, it's like, yeah, black text on white paper. You gotta pull those words off the page and make them sing to whatever the tone is, you know. So for me, one of the important things is if I get a script, know what the style is, know who the writer is, look them up on IMDb, see what stuff they've done in the past. If it's a show that's on, watch an episode or two to get an idea of the flow, the pacing, the timing, um, who you're talking to. You know, if you're talking to, um, you know, one of the detectives on Chicago PD, for instance, you kind of know, is this guy a hard ass or is he a softy, yeah. good cop, bad cop, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> And that kind of guides your your performance level when you're either auditioning or if you book the part when you're on set, you know, you'll kind of know um, your relationship to those characters. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of where I'm at. It makes a lot of sense. And I'm now now I'm trying to, you know, think in terms of the piano, uh, you know, talking to Goya, I realized that uh, boxing and acting have a lot in common. And, uh, you know, in a scene, the same thing as in a boxing match. 
there is the same flow, there is the same you know, focus, uh, there is the same you know, reception and uh, change depending on what the other person do, does. Uh, I'm now trying to find those same similes with playing the piano and you're playing with both hands and you're playing different uh, parts. One part is leading, the other part is adding. So like I'm trying to you know now utilize that and try to translate into my acting uh, technique. I'm not there yet, but I will. I'll find something that's interesting. I haven't thought about it that way. Very cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. All right. So what's what's your acting approach? I mean, you we've uh, we've touched upon it, and you're trying to find the freedom within the form, which I love. Uh, I'm gonna write that down. Freedom within the form. A little too long for the name of the uh, of of the show, but uh, I'll work on something. Um, <laughs> So what is your approach in addition to doing your work, in addition to doing kind of your prep and seeing what the right tone is and who you're talking to? You know, what is your acting style, if you will? Uh, there are many different techniques. There are many methodologies. You know, which one do you find that you employ most? Um, yeah, it's interesting. A lot of, I feel like a lot of actors take a lot of different schools of acting and kind of make their own technique out of it. You know, there's the old Meisner group versus the, you know, Lee Strasberg group. And right. yeah, there people are like, well, you're either one or the other. I'm like, well, some actors call on both. I mean, I've, I've been Meisner trained. I've also been, you know, I've studied Strasberg and mm -hmm. you kind of pull different techniques from each school and just see what works with the character that you're trying to create. basically. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the things, I think it was Anthony Hopkins, he said he reads a script like a hundred times or something before he even goes into the work. And when I was first starting out, my biggest mistake was I was like, oh, where are my lines? How many lines do I have? Da, 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 da. I was like, oh, that's not how you do it at all. You know, you're supposed to kind of read it like a story and understand um, what the scene is about. It's the old thing, you know, what are the given circumstances? It, it's um, that's basically what every actor has at the outset. You know, if you and I have a script and we look at it, it's the exact same script, right? Because yep. we're both looking at it and the events that happen in the script are the same, right? So understanding exactly what happened in the scene and I try and tell it like a story. So, you know, if, if I'm auditioning for, let's say a 7-Eleven clerk that gets held up mm -hmm. and the script is, you know, um, doing work, a guy walks in with a gun, points a gun to my head, says, give me the money or I'll blow your fucking head off. And I give him the money and then he leaves. That's the scene. Yeah. Um, so I would tell like a story, I'd be like, yeah, you know, I was working closing shift, 10 PM. I was about to close up and this mass gunman came in the store. Uh, you know, I, I kind of knew what was going on the instant he came in. So I froze, he pointed a gun at me and he said, give me the money. And I, I froze again. He's like, I'll blow your head off. And I, I just kind of instinctively opened the cash till gave him all the money. And I was like, just, just take it all, just go, just go. And he's like, took all the money and then he left, you know, and that's it. Like, and I just told a story, but now with that in mind, it's kind of in my body and it's in my thoughts and I'm pulling like images of what the guy looked like, what the store was like, where I was. Um, it's one of the biggest things um, that you need as an actor. And also you had Warner Laughlin on earlier and I love her book, Warner Laughlin Technique. It, it, again, it's another tool set that you pull from. Um, and I think one of the things she talked about was like character thoughts, you know, and understanding what your character is thinking about moment to moment, um, even before the scene starts, it gives you kind of a launching off point. Yep. Um, so I will like write down, you know, two or three thoughts at the top of the page and they're different thoughts, but they're kind of in the same world, you know, and it kind of gives me something to think about before the scene starts, especially if you're doing a self tape, if you're just kind of waiting for the other person to say their line in a self tape, it just looks like you're anticipating and you're waiting. But if you're like in the middle of something, that's the best place to start from, especially if it's the polar opposite of where you're going. So if you're like, you know, smiling, you're about to close up shop and this guy walks in, you're going to go from like one extreme to the other and they're going to see that, that shift, you know, and that's usually what catches a lot of like casting directors or, you know, anyone that's watching the soft tape, they're going to notice within the first 
five to 10 seconds, whether or not they want to keep watching, you know, because they just, they don't have time to watch a hundred tapes. So they're going to keep scrolling through, especially with where we're at now, where everything is self-tape. Like they probably got maybe a couple hundred. Now they're probably getting thousands from all around the country, you know, for one small role. So you have to make very strong choices within the first five to 10 seconds. Yeah. Makes sense. And I love the uh, the story. Uh, I love the story element. It makes a lot of sense to me. I'm going to steal that from you and I'm going to be applying that uh, myself. It's, uh, it's good because the yeah. analytical, you know, my analytical mind wants to, uh, I come at it from a writing perspective and I immediately, you know, want to go to it and say, okay, ooh, okay, this is the right thing to play at that particular time and this is where the writer is going with it. I, you know, and that, that gets me into trouble. So telling it as a story feels much more organic and uh, that works. It does and it'll, it will help you um, memorize lines a lot better too because yep. instead of, you know, I, I did this early on where I could literally see the script as I was talking to the other person. And mm-hmm. that means you're not open and present, you're anticipating and yeah, um, yeah it, it just comes across as, as artificial and not, organic you know um so yeah definitely doing that and the thoughts too man i mean imagery is really important and again that comes back to those two schools of thought you know if you're strasberg are you going to pull from an event that happened in your past and pull that image or are you going to be more like meisner and use the doing truthfully under imaginary circumstances which is you know, the truthfulness is I'm working at a convenience store. The imaginary circumstances, I'm getting rocked, you know, like one or the other. So, yeah, you have to figure out which one you're going to pull. I love using like as ifs, you know, those are kind of a big thing with, um, I think, Terry Knickerbocker in New York uses that a lot, um, as well as like Sam Rockwell. And the as if is like imagining what would happen if, you know, your mom had cancer and the scene is like you're at her deathbed, you know, instead of pulling a traumatic memory from your past, just imagine the as if, like, how, how would that feel, you know, (laughs) and start imagining the scene and even like closing your eyes. Again, that goes back to Warner Laughlin, which is close your eyes and say it out loud, you know, and use all your senses. Like you have to use, you know, if you're in a room, what did it look like? What did it smell like? Um, I think scent is one of the biggest things a lot of actors don't use for scenes, you know, especially if you're with like a significant other, imagining like the perfume or the cologne they have and the smell and it, it kind of just makes you feel a certain way towards that person. Um, yeah. yeah. So again, it's just all these acting tools that you just pull out and keep using. And the goal is to never stop learning. You know, that's why, like you and I are, we're on all these classes, we're in all these workshops. I listen to audiobooks, anything on acting, anything on like psychology, anything that could help me in my work. Um, and I don't feel like I'm obligated to use it one way or the other. I'm like, okay, I will try that. If it works, great. If it doesn't, okay, there's something else, you know? <laughs> yeah. Black box acting was this school that uh, that I was meaning to reference that you know, came to mind. Um, what what it did for me is that because I'm analytical, it got me out of my head because it's it's using Meisner and viewpoints and uh, other things, and it kind of just got me into a much free, uh, much more free perspective where I allowed myself because they're they're very specific about you know using imagination, but also once you're on stage just going with uh, with what you feel at that moment, right? Going with your gut and having that fuck it mentality of I'm here. And if I feel, you know, like I need to be closer to you, I need to be closer to you. If I am paying attention to you and your body language and your eyes are telling me, get the hell away, I'm going to go away, right? It's not the, but my script says I do. No, it's, uh, hi, what, what is this relationship like? And it's it gets me completely out of my head. And by the end of the uh, the first uh, kind of not the first class, but they have three three sections of it. The first level, you know, B one. Um, by the end of B one, 
I was free to the point where, you know, there was a cake in the middle of the scene and we were eating lettuce. And I just said, okay, well, I feel like eating cake right now. And I took a bite of the cake. Everybody was freaking out of how can you eat cake and lettuce at the same time? I didn't care because that's what I wanted to do at that moment. And mm -hmm. it worked. It was organic and I didn't pre-plan anything. So that black box uh, acting, that really kind of, you know, ushered me into a next level of the actor that I am and getting me out of my head. So maybe something else for you to try. I'm not associated or affiliated with any school. I don't get paid for any endorsements. Uh, I'm just saying based on my experience personally. I, dude, I come from the same yeah. background. I overthink the shit out of everything. Like, I'm, I'm very analytical like you. I'm very technical. Um, I think that's one of the things, which is great for acting technique, especially like on-camera technique. Yeah. Um, but I'm in class with Sherry Shaw right now. I've been doing her for uh, in her class for like a year. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's gotten me definitely out of my head, more in my body. She's very much like getting this character in your body. Um, and that helps me a lot. And then the whole thing about like, what's the environmental life of the character? Like, how are they in their environment? Um, what's their behavioral life? How do they behave, you know, when things happen to them? And then um, emotional life, you know, those are like the three kind of things that she pounds into the work, which is great. Um, and yeah, just again, like I'm overly technical. Like <laughs> I'm like, okay, my eye line's here. She's like, she's like, okay, Randy, I know that you're acting for the camera now. Just let it go. Like you're you're kind of approaching it from a director perspective, which is again another thing. Like if I'm directing a scene or shooting right. a scene, because I shoot stuff as well, um, we're kind of our own cinematographers with self taping now and our own you know sound mixer and gaffer and lighting. We do it all now with self tapes. Um, so I'm kind of like thinking about all these components and then I have to realize, okay, all this is set. All I have to do is just be open and present and just be in the scene. And that's yeah. something I work on. I'm continuously working on um, and just being like open and present. I think, especially with emotional scenes, like my biggest pitfall was I would go inward. I would be like thinking about my emotions and thinking about, how I'm feeling at the moment. And that's not how we act in real life when we get emotional. No, yeah. we're, you're very much relaxed and it's usually because of some outside condition affecting you. And the mm -hmm. more you let that in, the more the emotional stakes are gonna rise. Mm -hmm. You know, there was, um, I think there was a scene with Vanessa Redgrave where she was on a set and it was an emotional scene. And she's like, she told the director, she's like, okay, can I just get like a little bit of silence before the scene? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. He's like, quiet on set, you know, um, give us a couple minutes here. What she was doing was she was opening up to her environment and she heard music coming from a sound guy's headset hmm. all the way across the soundstage. Like, that's how open she was because she could hear everything. And as soon as I discovered that little little tidbit, I was like, okay, so I just really need to just open up and react to what's going on around me you know, and just let that affect me. To your point, like eating the cake and the lettuce, you were so open to what it is you wanted, what was around you, you're like, fuck it, I'm just, I want that. I'm yeah. gonna get that, you know what? That's how I feel, and everyone's like, what? what? But guess what, no one else did that, you did that because it was a unique choice on your part, so yeah. <laughs> it's it's the it's the ability, it's, again, we, we talk about, as actors, we talk about not acting, but being. You know, I was being in that scene. That was the reality of that moment for me as the character in that moment. Uh, so I'm gonna give you one more technique that, you know, kind of I discovered for myself that I like. Since you're a techie, maybe this is something that, you know, you'll uh, like, maybe it's something you'll throw away, but at least another thing, because I haven't heard people talking about it. And if you have, uh, you know, uh, the audience, guys, please, uh, please uh, put a comment down of the book that I talks about it because I love to read it. My my own technique is because I've heard so many people say, just be yourself, be yourself, be yourself. And then I hear being grounded. And then I hear that all the characters exist within you. Uh, so 
I, instead of reaching outside and trying to pull that in and trying to make all of that work, I start here. So this is my foundation. And then what I do is I go into kind of the what if scenario, but I go from here. So what if at the age of 14, instead of coming to the United States, I stayed in Russia and I went into a volleyball uh, team and I became a professional volleyball player. And now a professional volleyball player, you know, my my posture is going to be very different. You know, here's what I'm going to feel like. I'm going to feel much better about myself. I'm a jock. That means that I've gotten this. I've gotten this. I feel better about this. I wasn't a nerd growing up, uh, not having any dates. I would definitely have had dates. So I'd feel better about this. Da, 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 da. And I am me, but I'm a different me. And then that allows me to look at the given circumstance from the perspective while still being grounded in a reality because I'm me, but I'm a different version of me. So it's this kind of uh, multi-dimensionality of what if with your own life, because any step that we take in any direction is gonna be a completely different you. But some things are the same, some things change, and then I kind of go in there, and then I am this guy, and I'm this guy. So to me, it feels grounded, it feels organic, but I am definitely a different person. Just even talking about me taking that uh, path of being a professional volleyball player, I feel different. Those of you who are paying attention to my eyes are gonna see that these, there's something different about you know, my expression. So that's, that's the cool part. And then it's easier to kind of throw that away because we as actors sometimes get <laughs> so, so freaking deep <laughs> something it's hard to uh, to take it away then you always know where your anchor is because you know who you are and your experience as opposed to that you know in my case the professional volleyball player so something else to play with uh, I don't know what that technique is called the the multi-dimensional me <laughs> the Alan Vaysberg technique <laughs> yeah. so, but you know something something to play with uh, uh, for you if you want do I, I... I totally dig it, man. I, it's it's like instead of uh, pulling the world to you, yeah. put yourself into the world, you know, because the world is a much bigger place. It's still you, like it's still you, Alan, but you're in a much bigger world, and you're in the world of the volleyball player or you know whatever profession you're going for. If again, if you're a co-star and you're going in for a cop, you're a cop in that world, or you're the suspect getting interrogated. Hmm. Um, just be in that world, be open and present and just, you know, live that life. That's, that's what it's about. Yeah. And again, me as the criminal, right? I'm the, I'm the nice guy that hasn't hurt anybody in his entire life, but you know, me as the criminal meaning, Hey, something happened, whatever you kind of pick a point, something happened that led me down to that path. I'm still inside, you know, a decent guy. But because of that, the society views me as this criminal because of something that I did. And now I'm being interrogated. I don't have to worry about what emotion do I have. I have all of those emotions in here already because I'm misunderstood. I, am st I still feel like I'm a good guy. The society doesn't care. Like there is all of this stuff readily available. And then your imagination really has a chance to play because it feels real and you have something to piggyback off. And then it just goes wild in whatever direction. So like that's, you know, going forward. And I kind of uh, have been, you know, bouncing around with that and learning other techniques. But going forward, this is my approach. Yeah, that's great. And it's good that you you know that that works for you, too. Yeah. You know, sometimes if someone's preaching to me a technique or a style and they're like, this works for me, it, it gets me, you know, into the room, I book tons of shit with this this technique i'm like okay okay i'll try it and i'm trying i'm like that doesn't work for me i don't i don't get that at all. <laughs> you know? yeah well, randy i haven't booked shit with this technique because i haven't uh, tried using it because i've been using other techniques now moving forward and this is what this is september 10th of 2020 so this <laughs> is starting with this technique we're gonna see what that means and how well i'm able to execute it but even just going on this kind of little journey with you and explaining it, you know, the emotions, everything is there. Everything is there and I feel it and it doesn't have to be forced. It doesn't have to be thought. And anything that I don't have to think that I can just be 
for me, that's that's uh, that's the key. So we'll find out. Uh, yeah. I'll let you know if I'm able to land anything with this one. Yeah, just bring your yeah, bring your humanity to the role. You know, that's that's where the um, the truthfulness you know comes from. Yeah. Um, that's another thing too. A lot of actors are like, you know, you have to be truthful and open and honest. And some people have difficulty with that. Like, um, either they've been lied to or betrayed, and they don't want to be open and honest. So, what's the flip side of being open and honest? It's not bullshitting. So, okay, well, if I have trouble being honest, how about just not bullshitting? How's that? You know, and some people are like, oh, I can do that. I can not bullshit. And then they get in from that way, you know? <clears throat> so, yeah, whatever, whatever way in you have and, and you feel relaxed and more importantly, like, you look like a human being going through something. That's what we want. That's what everyone wants to watch on screen. You know, like when they see um, like DiCaprio drowning in, in the North Atlantic, they're like, yeah, I know it's DiCaprio. I know he's on a set. I know he's da, 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 but I'm still crying my eyes out because I'm seeing a human going through something, you know, and I know it's fake, but he believes what's going on around him is true, which makes me believe what's going on around him is true. So it turns up emotions. Yeah, it's, it's a shared experience, and that's, yes. that's really what we're all after. Um, very cool. Well, thank you, my friend. It's, it's a pleasure talking to you. Um, you know, all the things I thought I knew about you, I've learned a lot more during this conversation. So I'm glad that we had an opportunity to tape it, and I can go back and uh, learn from it and try to find my freedom within the form. So yep. thank you, thank you, thank you. Likewise, I learned a lot from you as well. And um, with every guest you have on your show, it's just, you know, you're sharing so much information. And I feel like a lot of not even not not just actors, but anyone in the industry, if they, you know, watch your show and, and listen to what the stories are and stuff, there's so many takeaways from it. So um, the community you've built. Yeah, I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. So thank you. <laughs> so we're all in this together. And that's that's kind of why I'm doing it. You know, I keep on saying, you know, I know you guys love acting as much as I do, and that's why I'm doing this, but that's reality, right? It's not just shtick, and it's not just a cool line that I thought of at the very end, which I like, by the way. Um, it's, it's, it's the thing, right? You know, I'm not getting paid for this. This is, you know, this is not on Netflix. You know, I'm not getting a huge paycheck. This is my office. So that's a real background, and I have a couple of lights out here. So I'm doing this, and I'm spending this time talking to people because I'm learning and I want value for you as the consumer. So, you know, whoever is watching, thank you very much. And again, thanks, Randy. I appreciate it. Hopefully we're going to get on set and we get a chance to, uh, to kind of uh, try all of our stuff out. And, um, you know, I, I look forward to that. I look forward to it as well. Thank you. <laughs>